uh, welcome everyone. Instead of uh, a boring inside set, we thought we'd come outdoors in this glorious Indiana autumn weather. I've got John Harris here. He's in Indiana to be thrown to the wolves tomorrow. That's going to be fun. <laughs> it's our Jesus in Politics conference. Part three, a battle worth fighting. And this is the second time you've Yeah, you've why been wasn't here. I invited to part one? Well, <laughs> that was kind of a last minute deal. We we didn't plan that until a month out. I'm and like Yoda. I show up in part two. I'm around for part three, but I wasn't there for, for the first episode. I, knew, I even thought of that. John Yoda no. Harris. Yeah. Justice that is social it is. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, he came a little early, spoke in uh, Kendallville, Indiana last night, and uh, so I thought we'd just come outside and shoot the breeze a little bit, uh, get in trouble, uh, give probably three or four different people reason to block us, Facebook, Twitter. I just found out I am blocked by a certain provisionalist who will rename, remain unmentioned. Okay. Let's uh. just say it's not the tulip. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's fun. So have you enjoyed your uh, your drive out and everything? Yeah, it was a little cloudy yesterday, yep. but it started to lighten up, and now it's uh, spectacular. Yeah, it's really pretty. Very pretty. And now, what part of uh, New York are you from? I live right now in um, Highland, New York, which is near Poughkeepsie, mm -hmm. which is halfway between New York City and Albany in the Hudson Valley. Oh. And uh, it's a very very beautiful. How could you leave that for this? Well, they. The politicians have figured out ways, so um, <laughs> my brother's actually leaving next week, and uh, that was a very quick decision. I had a lot of friends move out of the area, people I grew up with. Wow. It's uh, it's incredible, the population replacement. It's it's not, like nothing I've ever seen, uh, and, and that includes living in Virginia, North Carolina. You, a lot of you northerners come down. Sorry. But this is like, this is like... Uh, the locals are all moving out, going down south of Virginia, North Carolina. Right. And the city people are all coming in. And so the streets are getting much busier. There's a lot more traffic and stuff, but yeah. it's a different group of people. It's a complete population replacement. Wow. It's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. I still think there's a, a, a good, solid, and humorous work out there waiting to be written on the difference between the country mouse and the city mouse. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's been an old theme for a while. There's yeah. some really funny cartoons, but really, I think many of our many of our maladies in the United States are are traceable at least to that friction between rural and urban, rural yeah. and urban, different worldview. You can trace it back as far as you want, but yeah, well, that is the big divide today. You know, you look at election map, and it's obvious. But yep. Yep. It's it's not like uh, even in how it was during the Civil War where you have distinct regions with their own cities that yeah. are, it, it's now, it's every state, you know, it's even California because people think, oh, it's so left, but that's where I was born and where my, a lot of my family lives now is just there. No, it's, it's, most of California is extremely conservative. Yep. Most of it, landmass wise. Yep. But there's these huge population centers, so, and that's becoming every state. Um, yeah. And in fact, I, I would be curious, I'm sure some studies have been done, if you look at a state and see what, when their industries change, for instance, North Carolina going from tobacco farming and furniture uh, building right. to now being tech, yep. medical, uh, universities, I mean, these are the major, um, you know, 
job suppliers there, that's when the state turned. And I think that's probably the case for every state that goes that direction. It's a, there's an industry uh, switch, and it, and it is along rural-urban lines. So, Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. you can drive about an hour and a half northwest of here and see huge rusted-out factories, machinery, all from when the time that this was the industrial, one of the industrial hubs, the Great Lakes area being very handy for shipping, you know, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> so tomorrow we're trying to uh, emphasize what needs to be done as not just in some kind of reactionary, oh no, everything's going to hell in a handbasket mode, but really thinking, thinking in terms of reform the church, uh, what does it mean for the church to uh, be an extension of God's kingdom in the world? How does a Christian relate to not just politics, but the entire social order? And how to build for the future for our children and our children's children. So what are you going to be talking about? Man, I wish I knew that was the theme of the conference before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, yeah, so uh, the title that I, I, I'm working with uh, is rebuilding from the ruins, mm-hmm. which is pretty, I, I suppose, generic. I mean, there's a lot of other speeches that have been termed that. At least it wasn't Phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> no, that would have been even more generic. Uh, it's. I'm. I'm actually still thinking through a little bit. I. I don't know if I'll know exactly what I'm going to say before <laughs> until I actually say it. But let me. I'll give you some. Uh, bullet points yeah some categories that yep. I'm thinking through yeah um, so there's there's three things one that I see at least one is there's still a lot of Christians that need to just face the music and admit how bad it, it really is and I know many Christians are there already mm-hmm. and they're frustrated because they're thinking can't everyone else just get on the program we reject these institutions that have failed us but there's still a lot of Christians who seem to think it's bad out there politically. I don't trust Hollywood. I don't trust the news media. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the health um, oh, yeah. uh, industry now. Uh, but you know what I trust? I trust the church. I trust you know the Christian radio station, and I trust the Christian blogs and conference circuit. And it, it gets an exemption, and I think there's multiple reasons for it. One of them might yeah. be it's a coping device. Because you just can't, in the space of two years, go from trusting your institutions to, I don't trust any of them. And especially the one that's the most personal, because your spiritual life is so integral to who you are. And and, and to say, I don't trust my church, it's it's too much for some people. So, But I want to encourage people, number one, face the music. Realize where you're at. And some things you're going to have to let go of. Even though you have good memories and... You know, I have that with the Boy Scouts where, you know, I've got good, I have some memories with the organization. I remember not long ago, really, I mean, this was like, what, 17 years ago, but they had, uh, you know, worship services at secular camperies. Would I let any of my kids be a Boy Scout? No, (laughs) I couldn't. They don't even call it that. It's scouting now. So that's the same thing I think is applied to church where it's like, I know you were baptized there. I know that you uh, did all these these wonderful things. But if your church is going down this path, 
you can't turn the other way and turn a blind eye. So that's one, uh, wake up, you know, uh, get real. Number two is, I think, it's, it's two-part, but identifying leaders and, and building institutions. So it's time to build, right? Now, that's the opportunity we have. If everyone doesn't trust the institutions, then we have a great opportunity as Christians because we can be that, that beacon in the community for stability, for just direction. Uh, peop- I mean, marriages are going south. Uh, kids are struggling with insecurities as a result of that. We have depression at an all-time high. I mean, this this is game time, yeah. right? This is, and and the, one of the problems is, of course, that churches are so busy fighting, infighting over all these other issues, CRT being one and yep. COVID stuff, that they're kind of hampered. You don't have the time to go and, and uh, into the mission field. I'm not saying those fights. Obviously, I believe those fights are important, but if if it's the writings on the wall, and it, you know this. We've been talking about this for a year. The pastor's not budging. I've done my best. Leave. Yep. Build. Yep. Build something better. Build back better. <laughs> um, <laughs> build front better. Build, yeah. And then three would be, uh, what was three? <laughs> I had a third point in there somewhere. Um, Floating in the ether. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm not get remembering Get real. It. Yeah, get real, build, and I think just trust God. That's the only thing you can do. And that means in our personal lives too, we have to put up barriers for ourselves. If it's, if it's bad out there, if we shouldn't trust the institutions, we got to be careful with, I don't trust the media. So how much media are you consuming? You know, you don't trust them, but you know what, where, where are you putting your time, resources, energy? I get that kind of from the, uh, from the older generation. I don't trust the media, but I still subscribe to this satellite dish because I can get Fox news. You order from Amazon, even. Oh. <laughs> hey, the only reason I got Amazon is so I can watch Rift Tracks. Oh, now you've admitted it. Thank you. Um. <laughs> the old Mystery Science Theater guys, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I unsubscribe from Prime, but every time they offer a free trial... <laughs> there it is. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's free. Then you forget a month, and you're like, dang it, I gave him like 20 bucks. But. That's right. Well, so. here's the thing. So to your first point... Um, I think that that what we're seeing now from Big Eva, especially the McCracken article from this last week, you know, stop throwing pastors under the bus. Listen, this that is the biggest load of denial on print. Yeah, you just, I laughed. I literally yeah. laughed. Yeah, I did. Too. I was like, this guy is going to lecture us about. I, this? I think we we all must have seen the article at the same time. And then, then, like, go to the Gospel Coalition website. And just search Joe Carter. <laughs> just do it. Just Joe Carter. Yeah. And yeah. just ask, you know, is he, like, upset about pastors doing something he didn't like politically? Or, I mean, huh. it's just. It's, it's weird how there's one standard over here. Yeah. And then when it comes to well, the, Tim, the end Tim. of 2022, there's another standard. Well, because those are gospel issues. These are just political issues. There's a difference, right? That's the whole assumption there. You know, so. I, I get in more trouble requiring people to be consistent and self-reflective than I think with anything else that I ever do online. Yeah. I'm like, so it's okay here, but not here. You're not being consistent. So with these guys, see, I'm a pastor. We went through 2020. We're growing. We've grown. And I think one of the reasons is, again, glory to God for his mercy and grace and 
as my wife always says, bringing the people of his choosing into our fellowship, is that we got real, real quickly. You have to be able to go, all right, I'm not going to allow these guys to manipulate me into adding to the gospel or adding to God's law that kind of legalism that, you know, take, take what they're recommending that goes in your arm. I won't even say it. No, you can now on YouTube. Can you? Yeah. I know. The rules just change. You the jibby, jibby, jab, jab. The clot shot. The, yeah. uh, the genetic manipulation device. Yeah. So we had people literally calling us, emailing us saying, hey, do you guys have an official thing going on there? Because we don't know where we stand anymore. And our church keeps going back and forth and back and forth. And I'm thinking... You know, you read through those passages in the Old Testament that speak of the, the shepherds who are, no, peace, peace, no, 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 wait. It's like, listen, you have to put your foot down at some point and say, no, I'm going to obey God at this point. I, I got taken in for six weeks, fully admit it. Like with Joel Webbin, you know, he wrote his church. I'm like, okay, Joel, we get it. It's, well, we all, you're right. there, there's, a, there's a time period when you're figuring it out. It's That's called right. the fog of war. And yeah. it's... Things are changing so fast, and I understand. I have a lot of grace for people in that situation because um, I, I got to see where the sausage was made at seminary, <laughs> and I was thinking, "Wow, if this gets out into the pews, this is going to rip churches apart." Well, yeah. lo and behold, now we're guess what? A few years downstream, and that's exactly what's happening. Yep. And I realized when this hits a church, they're not going to know at first. They think right. they think to give Southeastern as an example. I just got uh, their. You know, fundraising material. You get their alumni stuff still? All the time. And it all yeah. says the same thing. Like, we're, you know, about missions and the gospel. And it looks great. And you think if you give to oh, them, yeah. you're... But I know better because <laughs> I lived it. And I yeah. also have a lot of connections there. And, um, and and they're not letting you know about their social justice. So when um, when it's, this hits a church, the, the first thing is going to be, man, that sounded off. My pastor said something. You know, why is... Wait, why are we supposed to march for BLM or we're supposed to empathize with this when our church is closed? And, you know, that's not important. But being with BLM, it, like there's a priority shift here. Or yeah, an equal weight. Where, yeah, conspiracy theories are such a problem now. And I hear my leaders talk against them and uh, warn us that we, we shouldn't propagate those things. But yet, you know, we just had Drag Queen Story Hour down the street and they didn't say anything. And, and somehow that um, is uh, in in concord with uh, free expression and uh, right to assembly. Or, Did you or, hear that? I mean, well, yeah, for David French said that it's one of the blessings of, of liberty is, is uh, have, having a public square that's neutral where drag queen. So yeah. there's, I think what they're doing though is they're, the verse they often use is they'll say, well, it, you know, the judgment comes first to the household of faith. And so we need to just police ourselves and we need to and, you know, I agree. That's why I'm calling them out. But that's, see, that's you know, exactly right. I just right. turn it around on them. Yeah. Like, I agree. So, you know, you demand. So, you therefore, know. you were responsible for the leadership in that church that now doesn't know where it stands anymore. And now you're upset that somebody's saying, hey, you should have stood firm. Well, don't throw me under the bus. And, and there's a naivete there, if, they, if that's the response. Because what they're saying is, well, I, I know none of, you, none of you guys would go to Drag Queen Story Hour. But clearly you're believing conspiracy theories or something, so I need to police that. <laughs> Why do you think that about your congregation? I'm serious. Right. Do you understand how sinful the, the human heart is? What about kids who are be, being barraged in their school, in the media, everywhere they look, their friends? 
they're all telling them one thing. Right. They're all saying drag queen story hour is a good thing. They're all saying sexual anarchy is good. It is affecting them. you got to talk about it. And mm -hmm. um, I've seen far too many uh, children who come from conservative households go in these horrible directions. And part of it, it, I think sometimes at least, is due to the fact that the it, it was not, not just that it wasn't condemned. It wasn't explained. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, right. they didn't ever actually have an understanding of God's created order, why it's good, why it's better. It, either you go to a church where it was just condemned, let's say a conservative church that it was right. condemned. And, and it's pure prescriptivism. It's, it's, it's just all, legalism. Right. You know, or you go to a church where we just don't talk about it. Yeah. And, um, you but, know, I'm, I'm so thankful mm -hmm. for some of the stuff that people introduced me to early in my Christian walk. And one of them, of course, you know, is Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. And he would, he would always emphasize the fact that somebody's going to be talking about this stuff. And while you were, you're mentioning that and I'll let you pick up, but no, you're good. I, I can go on too long. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about <clears throat> eating supper around the table with our kids when they were still at home. Now they're all married now and families and stuff. We talked about everything. Same. Everything. There, nothing was off limits. And part of that was, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, this is going to come up. Um, you don't sweep this under the table, but you apply the Lordship of Christ to this topic. And it's an open discussion, I would assume. Yes. You could ask questions. Oh, yeah, it's not could... Dad giving a lecture. Right, right. And it's no. not like, well, if you disagree, you're not part of the family anymore. <laughs> you know? Right. And I, I was all like, the Bible has answers for everything. Let's go. Bring it. Yeah. I think we'll be okay. Right? And, and, Trust God. And that is a concern. I, I will say this. This is a concern I have. I don't want to see, in some reactions to the woke stuff, a hyper-critically, uh, critical, just rigid kind of legalism set up where right. we, that's wrong. And so we just create a gate there and we don't explain to our kids. We reject them if they, you know... Right. If it, Oh, you know, you're you have questions about uh, homosexuality. You feel attracted to another woman, and, and this is my daughter. You know, oh, you're just not part. Right, and I'm not, right. and I don't think there's many people in that. I'm not trying to straw man it. I'm right, just saying right. yep. it is a concern that I, I haven't seen it a lot, but I'm just aware that that is a possible reaction to. That's the world. Let's be like the Amish and just kind of, you know, create right. our own little holy. So we ought to be in the world, not of the world. That's right. And um, right. And so that's, anyway, that thinking local, that was the third point I forgot to mention. Thinking local is the other thing. Uh, so let's talk Christian nationalism. Let's. You a Christian nationalist? If by that definition you mean. I'm interviewing you. A nation who is made up of people group who desire a strong, good, solid, godly community for their children, for their relatives, for their friends, and for the rest of society. Then yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and that's not just biblical to, to have a Christian nation. That, that sounds pretty good, huh? Nation whose God is the Lord. I don't oh, know. Hey, yeah. yeah. So so there's so here's a conflict that's coming, yeah. and it's already here, but it's gonna it's gonna amp up. I'm just telling everyone. Yeah. There's gonna be in we're so fractured. So the people who don't like the woke stuff, they're right. breaking into two different groups now. One is we need to get involved politically. We need to use state power if necessary, to implement Christian principles. 
Yep. Just like, by the way, the founders, they would have been used to that. They had blasphemy laws. Sure. They had sure. Nine of the 13 colonies had official state religions at the time of the ratification of the yep. Constitution. It, yep. First it, Amendment didn't touch that at all. No, it wasn't even a thought that that would... They right. couldn't have conceived. Um, and, and just because there was a separation of church and state in the sense that the ecclesiastical and the uh, the magisterial right. were different, that didn't mean separation of government and God. They, they, That's right. So, yeah. so that was the world that set up the system that's broken now in our country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and the whole thing was contingent on, it relied on a self-governing, religious, moral, virtuous people. Yep. Without that, the whole thing doesn't work. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. But some people want to try to bring that back. Even if it's in their local community, say, hey, we live in middle of Indiana. We're, our community, culturally Christian, even if not everyone's a Christian, we're still there. Right. Let's let let's start to um, let you know during Christmas. Let's really put out a nice nativity scene. Right, nice crush. Let's uh, let let's do whatever we can to re kind of introduce Christian things, symbols, uh, patterns of of life, habits into our our daily life. And the other group that I see reacting to this are basically they're they're secular liberals or humanists. In their political philosophy, yet they're Christians in right. their theology. Yep. You know, they'll say on their on their soteriology and their ecclesiology. But when it comes to politics, they think that no, it's got to be this neutral public square yep. where pr- these these principles of uh, uh, rational principles guide everyone into. It's all natural law, common grace. Well, yeah, essentially, yeah, and I yeah. and I think there's a place for natural law, but it's but when I see natural right. law, I'm thinking God's created order. Yeah, we had we had atheists one time. Well, surely, surely you believe in natural law. Yeah, not like you think. But though. it didn't. But, but but natural law didn't like. Is it part of the Big Bang where it just <laughs> yeah. kind of like, oh wow, look at these principles that arrange themselves. I mean, they see electrons you know, inside of atoms. One thing led to another, and we have immaterial clock. absolutes that guide our. Uh, we have crosswalk guards. Okay, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Right. So I mean, it's, there's going to be a religion. Yeah. Well, it's it's yep. it's inescapable that some religion's going to hold sway. So anyway, th- that's that's a long dis- um, description, I guess. But you have secular humanists, as cr- their philosophy is that, and they're Christians. They don't like woke, but they want to go back to, uh, you know, they want to go back to maybe the moment prayer was taken out of schools. Right, maybe for them that was the late good, the late fifties. That was a good moment. Eisenhower, yeah. you know, fatherhood of God, brotherhood of man, neighborhood of where you live. Maybe a bland kind of general. Right, Christian. As long as you're religious, long yeah, long as there's a God yep. sort of there somewhere. Yep. Jefferson is yo, know, he's fine, but <laughs> we don't want to put any meat on these bones. Uh, by the way, Jefferson authored the uh, law in Virginia that um, essentially penalized people for breaking the Sabbath. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. That's Thomas. That's Tommy J. That's your guy. Right, the, uh, the, uh, the guy who ex- expunged all the miraculous out of his version of the Bible. Well, yeah, the the yeah. skeptic who uh, didn't even want to say Jesus because he wanted to say nature's God. Yeah, he was the one that was like, you know what happens if you break the Sabbath? You should go to jail. That That's a good idea. He was sort of a I mean, fan of the little <laughs> kerfluffle they had in France, too, until he went there and oh, visited. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot of people like that. Yeah. A lot of people thought, and they're... You know, it's not a time like today where you have instant news and cameras. And oh, yeah. They were just getting, like, whatever propaganda was coming back to them. It's like, oh, sounds good. They've you know? enthroned reason uh, as queen. 
Um, Let me tell you, she's a harsh taskmistress. She is, uh, and uh, it, it ate its own. But it, but anyway, yeah, back to the yeah. Christian nationalism thing. Okay, so localism, right? This is this is with a third point I had. Yeah. That. Okay, so we gotta wake up. I don't want to say get woke. <laughs> I was almost said it. We gotta um, get real. We have to then raise up new leaders, new institutions, um, or local leaders that are already there. We just need to uh, give them more, I think, of our time, allegiance, resources. Yeah. Uh, these failed leaders of these big organizations, it's, it's not working anymore. Right. Global corporate kind of strategy, the neo-evangelical strategy doesn't work. So that leads us to think local. And that means your local church, it's not just your church, but your local hardware store. I mean, I don't care what it is. Right. That's where you have the most uh, influence. And if we, I think, gave more of our time, resources, energy towards local concerns, we can, our, our, our little light that we have, that Christ has given us, it shines so much brighter in a, in a smaller room. And if you think about it, your local community has a lot more influence over your life and the lives of your children than a, a distant Washington, D.C. Absolutely. I was, I was thinking about that when we visited California recently. And, uh, you know, your, your response earlier was pretty much the same. Oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, however, in most of California, the influence of the governor is not felt daily. It's, it's like as if the governor here in, in Indiana, Holcomb, his decisions really don't affect Syracuse, Indiana all that much. In fact, the normal day-to-day stuff has a lot more to do with being affected by supply chains and fuel costs and these macro issues, but the, the local decision making is still local, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I think the, the idea that, and I'm with you 100%, uh, we're, we're going to be starting a, uh, going to start small, I'd like to see a Christian school, but we're going to start with a homeschool co-op that meets a couple times a month. That's an start excellent idea. there. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, I've been at churches where they've now started, even when it comes to economic things, and I don't, I don't think this is a church ministry, I'm not into the mission drift, I'm just saying right. the people you know there, I, you don't put this in your doctrine, don't have a... Spe- I'm not it's saying, memorial. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that uh, the people that you, you know, and church people, I mean, those should be the ones you trust the most, I would think, in your local community. Yep. Maybe other than family, but, but still, I mean, those are the people that you can partner with. And so I was at a church that uh, they have a, uh, you know, some are farmers, some, some are, you know, gardening, they're growing things. Uh, they have different skills. I mean, they've just started bartering with each other. Yep. You know, yeah. I mean, if you want to, you know, get away from taxes and stuff and, and uh, be or, independent, start bartering. Of course, whenever we get to that section on our our income tax and barter income, we just kind of laugh. Well, yeah, and I know you're. <laughs> well, it's like you're supposed to when you're out of state driving. I think in New York, you're supposed to calculate what New York tax would be and pay it at the end of the year. Right. You know, you're. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. There's crazy stuff that like. I'm just going to write a check to the Ukraine. You know, dear people of Ukraine, just, here's my money. Because yeah. <laughs> it's going to go there anyway. Or you could, or Israel or some other, yeah, Egypt. Or to the uh, U.S. military in their promotion of transgender and gay rights. I mean, yeah. it, a lot of money spent. Might as well send it to Afghanistan. Here's to help yeah. you learn how to be more affirming. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, it's uh, I mean, we have an unjust tax system on a yep. national level. Yep. Um, but I think 
how do you hedge against that and, mm-hmm. and all the tyranny you're seeing? You know, if, if your library is doing transgender library hour, I mean, why not create another local library, a private library right. that's 10 times better than the, the other right. one, and you can do your own events there. Right. What are they going to say? You can't do what you want on your land? I mean, these, right. there's, there's sky is the limit, and this is what I don't see happening enough. And, and I think we're wired this way, but we keep looking to answers from Washington. If we can just get Trump back in there, if Man, we can... I know. You know, yeah. if, if, uh, if, if we can just defeat Biden... We can start reversing some of these things, and I'm like, I'm thinking, no, um, the swamp skill is still going to be there. Yeah, there's, it, that's the failure is that the, the founders were brilliant in setting up a federalist system where you had local, state, and national authority, or, or, you know, general, the general government is what they called it. Yeah, and what's happened is we've seen the erosion of state and local. Um, municipality their their authority and at the um expense of individuals you can't keep people accountable when you don't know them that's the beauty of local politics you know the person that's right. that's there right. so um We're having a, there's a there's a sheriff's election coming up and there's yeah two big candidates and then this new guy who's independent i won't name any names i'm just saying it's interesting to see what they're campaigning on and when you talk to people who know these men personally, there's one name that always comes to the top and rises to the top. They're like, uh, we can't, don't even think about that. Really? That, yeah. Because, yeah. You because know they know him personally. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing with the church. Yep. Let me, let me ask you this. Now, I don't, I don't know what you think about mega churches and stuff, but I have, I have a philosophy on it. It says in scripture they have to meet these character qualities to be yep. an elder. Yep. How in the world in a 10,000 person church... Are you able to ascertain whether your pastor has these character qualities? Yeah. You can't. You can't do it. You can't. That's that's funny you bring that up because this week got so hectic and pushed back and everyone wants their stuff done yesterday. So I decided instead of going ahead with continuing through Romans 8, I'll revisit something from five years ago. And it's elders who rule well. Oh. And dealing with those, those intimate, the intimate nature of... The pastor and the congregation. Um, there goes our dog. Uh, you're exactly right. You've you've got to know these people, and they have to know you. That's what I tell people when when something comes up. I say, you can ask this man and that person and that that single older woman because they know me. Right. They we spent time together. We we know each other. So so the chances of a moral failure happening that everyone is shocked by are much less. Right. They, right. You can't hide it when <laughs> it's easy for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning to yeah. be someone else. That's right. Exactly. You can't yep. sustain that when someone's calling you in the middle of the week and saying, I need you to come over right now, Pastor. Right. You know, I have a problem. Or, Somebody had a meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's just, I, I think we need a new model. And it's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get in on the action. Yeah. Would you like localism? <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I'll I'll do some shameless other people promotion, but I really enjoy the uh, some of the things that guys like Michael Foster are doing, mm-hmm. trying to promote localism and doing so on on a level that hey, let's all get in on this. In fact, he's he's actually saying something I've been saying for a long time. He's younger than I am, but he's spent longer in pastoral ministry. 
And that is this, bivocational ministry is not a bad thing. Oh, it's the way of the future. I, th I think it is too. You can't be so dependent upon the tithing of these people. We all know what that leads to. Yeah. My goodness, who's not tempted to pull a punch with someone who you know is responsible for 15% of your church budget? S solid churches in 10 years from now, if things go as they are, uh, the, I mean, the, I think the, it's going to be known in the Christian community. The best, most stable, solid churches are the ones where the pastors, there's a plurality of elders. Yep. They all know each other. Yep. And they're probably all working part-time, at least other jobs. Maybe the senior pastor has a full-time gig or something, right. but right. your elders, at least, they're not all paid staff of the church. Um, right. And that gives you an inroads into the community itself. It's um, and it is the way. Let's just face it. The early that's what the early church did. Right. There right. is nothing in there. I mean, Paul says, you know, workers worthy of his wages. So we pay the yeah. pastor for the preaching and stuff. But that's applicable Paul, to all workers worth their wages. All workers. Yeah. By the way, that's absolutely right. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe how many really incredible opportunities I've had for both apologetics and evangelism with my recording studio. I mean, now I'm not quite as busy now as I was back 20-some years ago. That was really constant. But just the opportunity, because since everything is related directly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then anything that comes up as a topic is going to be easily brought back to by what standard, who's, by whose authority, why would you say that? And it's, it's great conversations and some pretty even positive spiritual fruit from this vocation. Yeah. I tell people I'm not bivocational, I'm trivocational. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> That's a dad <laughs> joke. Sorry. Well, let's let's tie this up. I um too. so you're so you're you're talking about a lot of the things that I know I'm going to be addressing. Uh, Pastor Joe Spurgeon is going to be talking about the uh, the legacy of abortion, especially given that Roe versus Wade was overturned earlier in the summer, and how that works out then positively in the church. And I think the, the fundamental bedrock of all of this is that, I think it's your first point, you've got to wake up to the reality of the situation. You can't continue in churches where God's law is dismissed, where the lordship of Christ is an option, right. where his kingly authority is reserved for your heart. You've got to be involved in something that God is doing and trust him with it. It's That's a, it. It's a big picture. Be involved. And, and I think if you're walking in the spirit and being faithful in your personal life, you're going mm -hmm. to start to notice those things. You're going to have questions about why Why is it so stale? Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I've noticed that myself. You go to, I, I've had to try to visit a lot of churches in the last few years just because I've yeah. moved around. Yeah. You can tell the staleness sometimes when you walk in. Um, and I'm not talking about doing hymns as dirges, you know, because right. I've been in right. places where it's hymns and it's dirges, but there's life. And yeah. um, no, the, the biggest rock show can sometimes be the most lonely, just, yeah. there's nothing spiritual here. This is all, this is a social yeah. club. So I... Um, well, that band is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, or or they're, I mean, usually they're not that great, but they're, you know, they think they are. I uh, tell you what, I can think of few things more relevant than a 45-year-old balding man trying to play guitar and look cool. That just, that gets the kids. You have to be real, you know? <laughs> yeah. You, ha you have to just be authentic to, 
not not the dream that you missed out on back in the day. And I mean, look, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I, I'm obviously young. Um, I'm 33. Yeah. So, I mean, 18 year olds don't think I'm young, but that's right. Uh, but I do. You do. <laughs> but I, you know, my I, my hairline's starting to recede. I'm, you know, I've there's little things I'm starting to notice, little gray hair here or there, and um, and I just. You know, I don't know. I, I, I've had these thoughts of like, there, there was a time I wanted to be like a, a singer or something, mm-hmm. and uh, or or just. I think everyone has these dreams of grandeur when they're in their teens, especially yeah. like I'm gonna go and you know once mom and dad aren't stifling me, man, I'm gonna like I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna, Freedom. Yeah. Once, once, yeah. Once the chains are taken off, I'm gonna just blossom. Oh, that's and, right. You know, which obviously it's you know you learn, but yeah. Um, I I just think that. It looks sillier and sillier for me to try to act like I did when I was 18. That's called maturity, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what's missing from a lot of, I think, churches, uh, especially churches I've seen in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, when I was in, at Southeastern. It's like you walk in and it's like, so many of these pastors, they just don't come off as mature. Yeah. They come off as they're trying to appeal to something. And, and you can spot it. It's easy to spot. And I would just encourage true Christians out there don't neglect that nagging thing, whatever that is that you have yeah. when you go to church and you know it's off and you just bury it and you say, well, it'd be too hard to leave. I mean, my kids are involved in the programs here and there, I got relationships and there I got, yeah, and I don't want to make, I don't want to offend people and yeah. it's just, you, you tolerate it and yeah. that's not, it's in, to pick on the words of Joel Osteen, that's not living your best life now. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> to paraphrase the, the great prophet. The great heretic. So From Houston. It, so, so find a so- solid church, uh, not just one that has good, solid doctrine, because mo- most churches right now, uh, the people I'm, we're probably reaching have solid doctrinal statements. I was going to say to your, your earlier point, you, you can look at almost any statement of faith, and it's going to be relatively orthodox. There's nothing radical right. about it. Oh, all the ones I went to in Southeast, yeah. near Southeastern, they all had good, yep. you wouldn't have been able to tell through those. Right. A few right. of them started adding social justice stuff or but it, most of it was just straight up blank bland general evangelicalism i'm saying you need to detect there's other things you need to look for right um how much does that doctrine actually mean to them when it's challenged what do they do do they embrace ideas that contradict it without any blushing right oh yeah. uh we believe in the authority of the word of god but you know those those uh, racial lenses sure do give you an advantage in understanding And I think it. the well, Me Too movement has something to yeah. teach us. Or yeah, yes. the Me Too movement. We need to listen to survivors. Um, so, you know, you're throwing out biblical principles yeah. of justice. You, there's, so, so you see these um, erosions, but because they're not coming out and clearly stating, we do not believe truth is objective, we deny you know, revelation from God. The sufficiency we, of scripture. We deny the, the inerrancy. They're not saying suspended. that. They, they tell you that they believe that, but then they bring in ideas that totally contradict it and well, undermine it. What they it. just gave with the right hand, they take away. Yeah. Why aren't we left. opening our Bibles and figuring out what to do with abuse? Why isn't the pastor telling? Why do we have to go to this victim over here who they don't have the biblical training? But, How about this? But they, Why didn't any of those churches discipline their own member by calling the cops when the suspicion was aroused? That's I know. That's, these how, are obvious questions. How hard is that? I know. Yeah. Now calling the cops. Well, the thing is, even with uh, I'll, I'll just get specific with like the whole like um, the Jennifer Lyle situation yeah. and stuff. I'm just thinking if it's really as bad as you guys are all saying, 
why that guy would be in cuffs, right? Like it's right. It, right. It's so odd to me the the way that it's handled. It's like, well, you know, it'd be better if he just went his way and we went our way, and it's like, so he can do it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna pass exactly. off your predator. Yeah. yeah. That's that makes that's not loving. Is that loving? Well, it, what you it know? does is it demonstrates that it's not what they are making it out to be. Yeah. Sorry. So so if you go to a church like that, I would just leave. Honestly, and, and I'm not saying, yeah. let the pastor know, get your itemized issues together, have a conversation at first with it. Maybe there's some teachability there. Right, at least, but, you know, put yourself in their shoes. If, if you are really not clear about this, it would be better if someone, pastor, can you help me out? I've, I've got some questions. You don't come in there swinging. I mean, who wants that? There's a large church I know about. I'm not going to say the name of it, but. But it rhymes with. It rhymes with Battleback. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's not that church. Um, it's a church that prides itself on having a lot of uh, Southern Baptist elites. Okay. And, yeah. they, and the leadership is apparently mostly conservative. They don't like the Russell Moore woke stuff. But they pride themselves on, isn't it great? We have a church where both sides come together. We, can, mm-hmm. we have unity. And they don't want to do anything to disrupt that unity because if they so so they, there's this kind of sheepish, let's try to subtly introduce things or we we're not going to talk about the woke stuff Russell Moore would want us to talk about and that's our subversion or our influence and it, it's it's a joke like yeah. you're you're so so you're going to let your sheep right pastors supposed to guard the souls watch them over their souls yep. of their congregants you're going to let your sheep that's how they rule well it's one of the ways yeah protecting the where does it say in scripture that unifying that, that having a, an easy ride with heretics is a virtue <laughs> like <laughs> would we do that with you know mormons or jw's like right. where well we're not going right. to talk about those areas that that's ridiculous yeah but we, we do it with the woke stuff and that has to end right away it's it's, it's got to be all out war on every philosophy that yep. stands contrary to Christ. Amen. Yep. And if your church isn't making war on it, you've got to start asking. I don't care if their doctrinal statement is, is the greatest thing ever. I don't care if they're the pastor's a really nice man or if your kids go there, if you were baptized there or, you know, if they're, their building is so beautiful, I just can't, you know, the stained glass and the, <laughs> you know, or... My family's had a brass plaque at the end of that pew for three <laughs> generations. <laughs> Or you know, they have services on Saturday night, which means I can go to the game on Sunday. I don't want to miss you know, whatever your reason is. <laughs> right. Then you got to die to those. It's are usually so, the, the but the kids are so involved. The kids. That oh is, my! I've seen. I've heard yeah, that so many times. Yeah. yeah. That's, Where that's would I go? One. You know, the the only good church in town. It doesn't have stuff for my kids or something. It's like. Yeah. You know, I understand. I understand the dilemma. I'm not trying to you know, pour cold water on it, but. By the way, that's one of those things that we made happen. Yes. We homeschooled all of our children, K through 12, and we would just intentionally form groups that would hang out. Uh, boys can go out and beat each other up. The girls can go, you know, play with dolls or whatever. And you know, as they as they grew up, make that happen. You know, you tell parents who uh, say their kids don't have enough friends, make new, make more babies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Joe's point from tomorrow. Oh, Joe's, yeah. yeah. And I understand. I mean, I'm I'm one of the couples that yeah, right. you know, I I don't yeah. I I can't just do that. It, it, it's uh it's not an easy thing, and everyone's different. But yeah, I yeah. I do think though that the Lord provides, and you, you put yeah. first His kingdom and His righteousness. Yeah. And maybe you're the guy that needs to start the new church. Maybe you need to gather with a few families that, and and that's how 
it can grow. We we did that know. in 2005. Yeah. And when I came here without taking a dime of revitalization money, took a church of 11 old people all vying for position, and now it's grown to about 85. But I didn't even give my speech yet. How did you know to do that? Yeah, you know. Just do do what God says. I, I think yeah. I think people make it so overcomplicated rather than just doing what God said. It's the preached word, it's the administration of the sacrament and the right exercise of church discipline. Yeah. And that's and, Luther Luther, right? Was that Luther? Or? Yeah, there was a lot of those that, a lot of the reformers from that era said there are three marks right. of a church. Do these things because they're the ones that God ordained. Yeah. Not all this I just all the junk. I just saw one where the evangelistic outreach of a big Southern Baptist church, sorry, but it's true, and the whole front of the auditorium was lined in these little yellow rubber ducks. And there were hundreds of them. I guess you come forward and you get your duck. I don't know. But, you know, it's like, yeah. that's stupid. It's, it makes us look like idiots. Let's get back with the program that God said. Again, you know me. I'm a post-millennialist, but I'm there because of what oh, I think. that's right. Actually, I forgot about that. Well, it's, it's, now, it's not like it comes up in natural conversation. Oh, before we go on. I'm still, uh, I'm still by default a pre-mill guy. So, hey, there's, there's some historic pre-mill guys that I like. Some of my best friends. Oh, there we go. There we go. Well, John, it's been nice to hang out. Actually, this is probably one of the, the more relaxed podcast interviews you've ever done in your entire life. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever been outside. I don't know. I've never been outside for a podcast. Oh, hey. hey Maxton, do you want to take us out? Say bye. Bye. Everyone. Tomorrow is the big event, Jesus and Politics 3, a battle worth fighting. Let me tell you, your family, your church, and your society is worth fighting for. Now fight using the weapons that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Later. <laughs> Perfect timing. Most relaxed interview. <laughs> yeah. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details